This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Are you thinking about doing your own podcast, but you don't know how? Well, have you heard about Anchor? It's actually the platform that I'm hosting through this right now. And yes, it's free. Not only is it free, it's super easy to use. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. It's really that easy. And guess what? You can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's a big deal. So it's really everything you need in one place to make an amazing podcast. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. In five, four, three, two, one. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Genius Brain Podcast. We have a very, very special name. Do you want to go by your actual name or your performer name? I guess my performer name. Do people know your real name? Not a lot, no. Oh, then we'll keep it performer then. You're a fucking <laughs> mystery, baby. We have Zeta. Do you say Zeta or Zeta? I say Zeta. What do other people say? They call it Zeta? They call it both. And your last name is Zhang Zhang. Okay. I. It's supposed to be Zhang because okay. that's a proper way, but no one can pronounce it, so I just kind of like Americanized it. So you just call it Zhang? I just call it Zeta Zhang. You know, the weird thing is, I, I think like we're so, I think we're a little more progressive now. I'm pretty sure people could pronounce Zhang. Like it's not very fucking difficult. It's not. That's true. But then it kind of ruins uh, my moniker. Wait, what's your moniker? Zeta Zhang brings the bang. Okay. <laughs> well, you could be Zeta Zhang, get some dong. There you go. <laughs> that's a, some new shit right there for you, baby. That's cool. Actually, just so I actually just met Zeta <laughs> yesterday when we were training. You trained with uh, Nick before? Yes. Uh, well, my friends, Yoshi, you know Yoshi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he actually brought me over to the gym and I met Nick and everyone else. How, how did you meet Yoshi? He found me on an article on ne- Next Shark. Oh, my buddy Benny does a Next Shark. Oh, no yeah. way. Yeah. yeah so they, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. What a small world. Yeah. What a small world. Yeah. So they did an article about me for uh, wrestling when I was in WWE and then when I was out in China and all that. So Yoshi saw me on there and then he followed me. And then it turns out we ended up having a bunch of mutual friends. Oh, and, really? Uh, my current stunt coach is friends with Yoshi and they were on set together and train mm. together sometimes. Yoko. So I didn't know this until I fucking found out yesterday because I was just looking your shit up. I was like, okay, what the fuck does this girl do? <laughs> you were the first uh, female Asian American to be signed to the WWE. When did you get signed to the WWE? 2017. Oh shit, that wasn't that long ago. Yeah, not that long ago. How the fuck did that happen? Like, How did you even get into wrestling in the first place? Okay, so what's crazy is I never thought I would end up in pro wrestling. Uh, I watched as a kid and... I thought the only way you would get in is if you were a Olympic wrestler mm. or at the very least won state championships for college wrestling. And is that how are, are a lot of wrestlers in the WWE former actual wrestlers? Back in the day. Because I know Kurt Angle was an Olympic medalist, which was a yes. very interesting you know, way that he went. <laughs> yeah. But now it's different. Now there's wrestling school, like pro wrestling schools where people just, that's all they train. Yeah. And it's like the thing, but... 
I didn't even know that existed. And so I ended up going the MMA route. So I went and did MMA. I was like, oh, there's no chance for me. But I've always been interested in martial arts and grappling and like wrestling in the ground game. So I ended up um, doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which led to MMA. And through my MMA is how I ended up getting recruited Got a chance to do a tryout for WWE and got through and bam, got signed. What the fuck? How long did you do MMA for? Uh, about 10 years. 10 years? Yeah. You just brushed by it like it was like a couple of fucking days. You did it for <laughs> 10 fucking years? Yeah. Well, I mean, well, first of all, that's fucking... A- I don't even know if a lot of people even knew about MMA 10 years ago. I know. I did it before it got popular. And I did jujitsu before it got popular. And now everyone, their mom's doing it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy because <laughs> like 10 years ago, um, I mean, I think honestly, the the person who blew up the sport the most was Conor McGregor. Like yeah. after McGregor came on the scene, everybody knew about MMA. Because yes. uh, I mean, everybody knew about UFC and then Bellator was talked about here and there, but not a, not a lot of p- people knew about like One FC and a lot of these other small promotions like Lights Out and stuff like that. But uh, when Conor McGregor came on the scene, he just kind of put a lot of light on it because nobody was prom- promoting um, MMA like like the WWE does. Exactly. And then Conor McGregor kind of brought that WWE element to it where there's that shit talking. There's this backstory that starts to develop. And then you see UFC's platform start to develop kind of like WWE where they have – if you see all the promos for the UFC prior to like the whole Conor McGregor thing. And this is just my opinion. It wasn't like how it is now. There's this whole like good guy versus bad guy type of thing. Just like the WWE. Like recently there was uh, Kamara Usman and Colby Covington. And Kamara Usman was the good guy and then Colby Covington's the bad guy. And they started building it up in this type of weird way. But it really gets people to buy tickets. I think like, okay, so there's a little history with UFC and WWE. They kind of used to not like each other. But I think in recently they have a you know, they're kind of okay with each other secretly. So yeah. they're kind of working to get there. I can't say they're really working together, but they're kind of cool with each other in certain ways. Mm. So I'm actually seeing a trend where all the UFC fighters and UFC is being more like WWE and WWE is being more like UFC. Oh, really? Yes. In terms Be- of like they're incorporating like real fight moves? Yes, they're incorporating real fight moves. They're hiring people with MMA backgrounds. So right before me, I was the second MMA girl they hired. But the first one was actually uh, my friend Daria Bernardo. Um, She is from a Muay Thai background. She's Mm. actually out of here. Now she goes by Sonia Deville on tv on i think i don't know if she was raw or smackdown she switched between two brands but either way uh we actually trained together so oh really yeah, we trained together in real uh, like you know an mma yeah or i wouldn't say mma like wrestling yeah so amateur wrestling and her gym is systems over in like uh hawthorne okay and i used to train over at black house mma oh really That's yeah right. So she actually came over and trained with me and my wrestling coach, Kenny Johnson. And I was like, oh my gosh, I finally get a girl to train with because I never have girls to train with. And we're training together all the time for like a month. And then she disappears. I was like, what? Where's my training partner? Like I finally get a girl and she disappears on me. Then eight months later, like I find out she's working for WWE as a pro wrestler. And I see her during my tryout. And that's, I was like, wow, what a crazy world. And so she's doing really well. Um, 
And I realize now, you know, back then with WWE, everyone has the, like, there's never going to be another Undertaker. You know, people have real names mm. now. Now they purposely have names where they got a first name and last name. And it's to make oh, them more really? real. Yes. Oh. Yeah. So there's no one else that's going to be named Undertaker anymore or like anything too crazy. They're giving everyone like normal names. Why is that? Is it They want it to be more realistic. They don't want to go the cheesy, like, whatever route because they feel like everyone wants realism. So they want it as real as possible. Really? But yeah. that was the shit. I love the names. I know. The Undertaker, Kane, The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Are you fucking kidding me? Why the <laughs> fuck would you take that away? That's fucking insane. People, like, they, they found it better that people had real fucking names? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Everyone has a first name and last name. Well, nobody wants a fucking action figure of David So. Like, you know what I mean? Like, nobody <laughs> wants a fucking regular ass name. What the hell? Like, I fell in I love. I think they were like that. Razor Ramon. Like, you know, the. Like, come on, man. Hulk Hogan. Like, I loved all these fucking names. That's so weird. I would think that. I, actually, I don't know the demographic uh, or the age uh, demographic for the WWE. Well, it was PG and it was a family show. They targeted it like they would for Disney. They mm, wanted you to bring yeah. your kids because that is merchandise sales. All of them want to buy all these action figures, but now they recently changed to PG 13 because of AEW, All Elite Wrestling. They're competing directly against each other. So AEW is pretty much like the WCW back in the day where they're fighting each other yeah. for the spot. Mm. So now they're because AEW is more PG thirteen. WWE had to switch it to PG thirteen. So now you're seeing people making out on TV. You're seeing what? like zoom up on butt cheeks. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. I know. Like I remember when I was a kid. Like every now and then there'd be like some random like nip slip or some shit, and they're like fuck. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, but that was like some random shit. You know what I mean? And there, I remember somebody who was who really popped off. I, I think even after she left WWE, oh, Stacy Keebler. Uh-huh. Yeah, she was huge. And yeah. then she moved on from that and did, did her own personal stuff too. But she was fucking pretty as shit. And then there was people like uh, Sable. There was Yes. <laughs> like, I, I love the WWF, man. <laughs> people don't fucking know, man. Like, I love that shit. And there was, the, um, there was the girl that was always attached to the Hardy Boys. What was her name? She had she had oh, red burgundy I don't hair. Know. I'm not the person to ask because honestly, when I watched it, I was so young. Yeah. And then finally... Uh, and then I went into the MMA thing. So I had this huge gap yeah. before I got back into it. Honestly, I didn't get back into it until two and a half months before my tryout. That's fucking crazy. And what's crazy is I honestly didn't know that it was. <laughs> I didn't really know if it was a work or not until before my tryout. Oh, really? What the fuck? I know. No one believes me. So, I mean, I kind of... Okay. So, I watched it from four years old. Mm -hmm. And at four years old, even though I was born in the US, I didn't even know English yet. I didn't learn English. What? Yeah, because like my parents were busy. They were running a restaurant. I was being taken care of by my grandma. Yeah. And my grandma only spoke Mandarin. And she took care of me growing up and she liked watching wrestling so i watched it with her she got me into it so what a weird thing for your grandma to watch you know so fucking odd she's just like i yeah fucking slam him already man <laughs> she was she was like yeah hit him punch him in the face what the hell that's yeah. intense it was crazy and she was her favorite was hulk hogan so she that's was all about hulk hogan yeah and um i watched it 
and didn't learn English. I didn't start learning English until I was like six, even though I was born in the U.S. I had trouble like... Were you in ESL then? No, because I was born in the U.S., I was technically not considered foreign, so I wasn't required to take ESL. What the hell? Yeah. Uh, so I never took ESL. I never learned English properly. It was just from being around it and slowly I picked it up. Yeah. But um, basically I watched it until I was like 12. And then when my gra- grandma got Alzheimer's and started getting like really sick, I stopped watching it because oh, it was wow. like our thing. Yeah. So I completely stopped when she passed away when I was like 15, 16. Mm-hmm. And then... In my, you know, when you watch something as a kid, whatever you remembered it as, that's what you remembered it as. Yeah, yeah. So, I just, to me, I was like, oh, that's that's what wrestling is. It's a real sport. Yeah. And the weird thing is, I watch pro wrestling and I even watch college wrestling at the same time. But I watch more huh. pro wrestling. And the funny thing is, I just thought the college wrestling didn't have a good budget. That's why they couldn't what afford the f- You're so funny, the pyro. So you're like, dude, look at these bums over here. Yeah, they dude. suck. These, look at their costumes, man. They only wear red and blue and that's it. Bunch of losers, dude. Losers don't, don't have good lighting. <laughs> they don't have nice Where's the fucking the ring, pyro? dude? Where's Nobody's the pyro? <laughs> like, what is wrong with them? They're not hardcore enough. That's hilarious. So I just thought that's the, the lower budget one. And so I was like more drawn over to wwf at the time and even some wcw we watched both it's yeah. like back and forth and then um then i got into mma i went and started with brazilian jiu-jitsu because it was the closest thing to wrestling mm. and i had an interest in wrestling i wanted to do it growing up but i never had the confidence never had the confidence i didn't come from a sports background so i was like oh i can't do it i don't believe i can do it so i just never did until yeah. finally i go off to college i'm in a really unsafe city uh came a across i went there really naive came across some incidences where you know i could have gotten gang raped and it scared the hell out of me and i'm just like Like what kind of incident what do you mean so well my first so i'm actually from born and raised in charlottesville virginia charlottesville virginia um was actually rate uh, in 2010 it was rated the number one best city to live in on usa today oh it was safe the safest city to live in This podcast is brought to you by Purple, my friends. Have you had good sleep lately? Do you dread going home, turning off the lights, and sleeping on that rock of a piece of doo-doo you call a mattress? Well, that's because you don't have a Purple mattress, my friends, and I'm guessing. You know what? I'm betting that you're not having the best night's sleeps of your life, and if you do think that you are, just wait till you sleep on a purple mattress. There's rocket science behind the development of what this mattress is made out of. It's firm and soft at the same time, and it'll feel like nothing you have ever felt before. I have had my mattress for a while now. I love it. It's the best thing that I have, and it's the thing that I look forward to before I go to sleep. And if you have not, have not experienced good sleep, my friends, what are you waiting for? Get on a purple mattress, man. It's 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 literally... So important for you to find something that you could sleep really well on. Sleep is super important to you. Uh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that the type of bed that I had before was keeping me up. I just thought that everybody's bed just went to crap after a while. But let me tell you something. Mm, I was corrected. Purple Mattress has saved my body and my sleep. So check this out. You're going to love purple. And right now, my listeners will get a free purple pillow with the purchase of a mattress. That's in addition to the great free gifts they're offering site-wide. Just text BRAIN to 84-888. The only way to get this free pillow is to text to BRAIN 84 
844-888-8888. Once again, text BRAIN to 84-888. That's BRAIN, B-R-A-I-N, to 84-888. And then I moved to Richmond, Virginia, rated number one murder city for like four years in a row. Oh, shit. From like the late 90s to 2000s. And when I went there for college at VCU, it was 2007, and it was still ranked number four. And Richmond is one of those cities where it's it's small, but there's a lot of people. So everything's tight vicinity and you run into shit all the time. Yeah. It's like, oh, there's a shooting, a stabbing, a rape, a whatever, all like down the street from you. So I went there thinking like, oh, it's fine. I'm not going to get nothing's going to happen to me. I'm in a big city. Why would they target me out of all the people that's here? Mm. So I freaking go there. And my first Halloween my friend, this was before like GPS. Oh, and, yeah, 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 and it was like before you got that on your phone. So my first Halloween, um, my friend's giving me directions on the phone and she goes, oh yeah, uh, just drive here and stuff. And I was like, hey, am I supposed to take a left or right? And she wasn't sure. So she goes, stay there. I'm gonna get my friend, come get you. But I was already close by, like maybe five minutes. So five minutes later, this guy pulls up. And he waves his hand out the window, like the sunroof window. He's like, follow me. And I just stuck my head out. I was like, I was like did I just speak to you on the phone? I didn't mention anything about party. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, the party's here. Follow me. And I was like, okay, this is the guy. I think this is the guy. Yeah. He pulls up. And then I see another car behind him with four guys in that car. I didn't think anything of it. I, didn't, I thought it was just some other car. So I pull up. I end up trapped between the two cars. They lead me down some dark alley. And then they parked their car and turned all the lights off. And I'm sitting there like, okay, is this the place? And I'm like trying to figure it out. And I was so naive at the time. I didn't even think anything of it. So, and I was like, is this where it's at? I call my friend. I'm like, hey, I think I'm here. I think I'm in the back. Like, where are you? And she keeps looking for me. And after like what felt like five minutes, I don't even know how long it was, but it felt like five full minutes when she was just like, I don't see you. Like, where are you? And I started getting this awkward feeling like yeah. something was wrong. And I remember looking at my rear view mirror and it was so scary because I just see the four dudes in the back. They're all slouched, like just waiting and the guy in the car in front he got out and he's standing three feet away from me i had my door open my window rolled down and everything and i was just like is this where the party's at and he lied to me he's like yes where the party's at and i'm just like still waiting on my friend i don't know what to say i got this like weird feeling in my stomach but i didn't know how to get out the situation yeah and i think it never really it didn't click in my head yet i just felt like something was weird but yeah, I just nothing clicked in my head yet until my friend, I asked him three times. I was like, is this where the party's at? And after the third time, she heard his voice and she goes, who's that? As oh. soon as she said, who's that? Like, I realized this isn't the guy. And I f- started freaking out. I lost my cool. And I was like, what the hell? What the fuck is this? Like, not the guy you told me that's going to come get me. And he's standing right there. So, of course, he heard me. Mm-hmm. And then he gets aggressive. He gets all up on my window and he goes, what, what, what? You don't believe me? You don't believe me? If you don't believe me, go back where you came from. And 
I was so lucky because this alleyway was long and narrow. It only fit one car. It was like not, mm-hmm. yeah, it only fit one car, but it just so happened that where I parked the building, like the building kind of dented in. It was like a shorter building. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like this. Okay. And, uh, where I was, it just so happened that also the car behind me was back just far enough where I could back out and do this and get out, yeah. I guess. And I just shut the door and went. And I was so lucky because he could have easily pulled me out. There's four dudes back there just waiting for shit to happen. And They were going to rape you, dude. Dude, I know they would have. Because, 100% they were going to rape you. Because it keeps happening. Like, it, it almost happened to my friend. It's happened to my friend. Like, there's been lots of stuff um, that happens in Richmond all the time. Because uh, when I was there... It's an open campus. So they would send us text messages whenever there's stuff going on. And literally every single weekend, rape here, stabbing here on this street, on this street. Oh, my God. It was every fucking weekend. It got to a point where it was just so normal. And they even got a thing. Like, this was a thing at my school where if you got robbed or stabbed or hurt anything on campus, the school would pay for your tuition. What? Yeah, the it fuck? was an actual That's thing. How much that shit happened? Yep. We like me and that. Yeah, me and my friend out there. He freaking. We got friends that got held up at gunpoint, very many a bunch of times. One that got stabbed. Like there's so many oh, things. They were doing just, that so they because they didn't want people to find out, and then they would lose like attendance in their college because yeah. you know, nobody would come. Yeah, and then it got to a point where students were trying to shoot themselves in the foot. And I would like kick me to get <laughs> my free. And, I would have showed up know? the next day, scruffed up my hair, it's like, listen, I've been raped. And they're like, listen, dude, nobody raped you. You're like six foot one, like three hundred pounds. Who the fuck raped you? And I was like, I'll tell you who did. It was a bunch of women. <laughs> a bunch of women wanted my lumps, and they fucking they, they just took it. They titty fucked me. That's what happened. <laughs> they're like, get the fuck out of here, dude. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. So that's what got you. To, to start doing jujitsu. Yeah. So this scared me so much where I'm like, I need to do something to defend myself. Yeah. So I wanted to take a martial arts, but I didn't know what to take. I've always been interested because I used to watch all these Kung Fu movies mm-hmm. and shit when I was a kid because um, I had no friends. So <laughs> I was just home all day like, eh, I need to fight. And I got yeah. bullied a lot. I got bullied my whole life. Um, coming from the East Coast, I was like, the one Asian in my town pretty much. And uh, so growing up, I always was kind of attracted to that. Um, And then the guy I was dating at the time, he was interested in watching UFC. And he was always interested in the ground game. So we joined together. But I was dating him before I moved off to college. Mm -hmm. And so he's two and a half hours away from where I live. And he wouldn't be able to come up very often. But we joined together. And for the two months, we only went twice. Like, Uh I wasn't that serious into it. And I was still very um, shy. I grew up very shy and just no confidence. So I was scared to go in there without him. I would never go to training unless he was there with me. Mm -hmm. And then shortly after, his ass broke up with me. Of course. And I was pissed. Yeah. I was fucking pissed. And I was like, you know what? 
I'm going to kick his ass the next time I see him. <laughs> so I went and trained my ass off. So you could beat up a boy? That's Damn fucking right. crazy, dude. <laughs> I was pissed. I'm like, oh, yeah? He's going to break up my ass. I'm going to train so hard. I'm going to kick his ass when I see him next. So I ended up training so hard. I got the attentions of all my coaches. And then they ended up taking me under their wing, training me, and getting me to do my first tournament. And when I won that tournament... It was life-changing. It changed my life and made me view things differently. I had full mm. confidence in myself. And then I um, did that. Then I ended up getting tricked into my first MMA fight. Uh, <laughs> How do you yeah. get tricked into an MMA fight? How the fuck does that work out, dude? Not a single person that could trick me and go into an MMA fight. I'd be like, this is not happening, dude. They'll be like, hey. So you just saw a cage and you're like, well, this looks fun. <laughs> like it's a comedy club in the cage, you know? You just come on in, you're going to tell some jokes. And somebody started punching you in the face. You're like, what's going on? I was like, oh, am I doing that bad? Am I jokes, are my jokes bombing that bad? This person's punching me in the face. Like, <laughs> but like, it's crazy because, um, yeah, I, uh, I was doing jujitsu but mm -hmm. honestly the first gym i went to it was not exactly the best gym um because it was one of those gyms that they just taught you just enough to get you to like blue belt level mm. and then they don't want you to improve anymore because a lot of people it was one mm. of the first gyms around that started there and it used to be super legit but what happened was all the legit people that got really good they branched off and opened up their own gyms and yeah, became yeah. competition. So the owner was like, "Oh, you can't be teaching these people to these people real jujitsu because they're going to open up their own gym and become our competition." So they started teaching like bullshit jujitsu and just teaching you just good enough to fight white belts. Mm. And anything more, you're kind of like you're going to lose. Yeah. And so when I realized the level of skills that's there, I ended up leaving. Mm. And they also like tricked me and like lied to me and i was stuck on this contract but luckily at this point uh i had people taking me under their wings because they saw that i was very like into it and really who, who are you training under oh this place called world-class martial arts <laughs> and it was uh it was under well there was this brazilian guy named Bra uh, roberto neri i mean i don't have anything I can't really say anything bad about him. Um, he wanted to, it was because of the owner. The owner told him to not teach people real jujitsu. Mm. And that guy ended up leaving because he he thought it was wrong to yeah. do that. So he told them, you can't teach them good jujitsu. You got to teach them up to blue belt level. So because of that, I was like, all right, I need a, you know, I need to leave this place. So mm. I left, I ended up going and following this guy that was teaching at another gym. It was an MMA gym, but he taught jujitsu. So I ended up following him to his gym and started training there. And because I was already paying for it, I'm like, I might as well train in everything. But yeah. I really didn't care about anything else. Everything was just more so for cardio and working out. Mm -hmm. But I only cared about jujitsu. But my MMA coach, because the owner was also the MMA coach, he would come up to me every single day and be like, you should fight. You should fight. I'm like, no, I don't want to. Like, I don't want to fight MMA. I was like, no, no, no. I keep telling him no. And he was on my ass like a month and a half, nonstop every single day telling me I need a fight. And finally, I got really annoyed one day. And I was just like, I'm just going to tell him, yeah, maybe just get him off my back. So one day I'm like, okay, yeah, maybe. I'll think about it. 
And then the next day he comes to me and he goes, oh, hey, there's a fight coming up in three weeks. And I was just like, okay, first of all, three weeks is no time for a fight. And he goes, um, oh, no pressure. You just train really hard for two weeks. And if you're not feeling up to it, you don't have to do it. You can yeah. back out any time. I was like, okay. So I'm training. I'm going hard for a week and a half. A week and a half into it, I was like, oh, hell no. I don't want to do this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to have this fight. And the girl I had a fight, man, she had like three years of striking experience. Oh, shit. And I don't have any striking. Yeah. I'm just all jujitsu. And I didn't even know wrestling at this time. I only knew jujitsu, like traditional ground jujitsu. I didn't really know how to do takedowns. Like, yeah. the jujitsu I started with was like, the traditional play off your back defensive jujitsu. Mm. Definitely not fit for MMA style when you're supposed to be on top. Mm. So I'm just like, hell no, I don't even know how to get this damn girl down. So within these uh this time, I'm like trying to learn how to strike. And all I knew was uh jab, cross, elbow, knee. Yeah. And like that's all I knew. And um then I'm telling him, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna tell my coach I'm not not gonna do this. I go up to him, I'm like Hey, um, can I talk to you? He's like, oh, yeah, I need to talk to you, too. So they wrote an article about you in the newspaper and the magazines for your fight next uh, in blah de blah on this date. And I was just like, oh, I was just thinking, well, fuck, now I can't back out. Like, they just wrote a whole damn article. Now I'm, like, forced to fight. Mm. So then my dumbass, because I don't come from a sports background. I was a shy art girl, nerdy, stayed at home, had no friends type of girl. And now I'm about to take a damn MMA fight and I have no sports background. And I don't know like how to properly cut weight. I don't know how to properly lift. And well, I knew how to lift, but I don't know like, like the, the the science behind it and you know the, the science yeah. and so just because i heard other people talking they're like oh yeah because the girl i had to fight up a weight class at the time i only i walked around like at 118 to 121 pounds yeah so i should be fighting at 115 but even then that is really light mm -hmm. if that's my walk around weight that's m not much to cut yeah and so and also, so the weird thing with Virginia and the East Coast and even Washington, D.C., because I fought in Washington, D.C., it was pro rules, even though it wasn't pro, but the rules were pro. Yeah. So the weigh-ins are the night before. That means people are cutting a bunch of weight mm -hmm. before they fight. So because I'm having a fight at 125, I have to go up a weight class. People were like, oh, yeah, just eat a bunch, and then you'll gain yeah. muscle. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't That's work like that. And especially three weeks, that is no time. So you're fighting super underweight then. Yeah, and but the problem with me and my body is that I can gain weight easy. But mm. the problem is I didn't gain good weight. I just got fat. Okay. I just freaking like, <laughs> yeah. I went from, uh, what was that? I was like 121, 122. I, oh, I was at one, yeah, 121, 122. And within three weeks, I went up to 132. That's crazy. Yeah, I gained 10 pounds. And then I had to cut down to 126 because it's like 125, but you know, yeah, one pound limit. So I had to cut down to 126 and I didn't know how to at all because I've never cut weight. I don't have any science be behind it. And back then, this is like 2009. You got to cut that water weight, baby. They, they, I didn't know how to. And it just so happens that my weigh-ins that day, I was on my damn period. Oh, shit, you bloated. Dude, I was bloated. I couldn't lose any water. I didn't eat or drink for four days. 
I could have died. Damn. I don't know how I was able to get through that. This was over the summer. This was July 1st, my birthday. On my birthday, I had to weigh in. On my damn cut weight on my birthday to weigh in because my fight was July 2nd. And we're driving up to D.C. from Virginia, and it was a five and a half hour traffic. And that year was a record-breaking heat wave that summer. God it was damn. 104 degrees. We're in this fucking car, and all the windows are rolled up. We're blasting heat, wearing sweatpants. And Trying to get sw- you to cut yeah, that fucking weight. Cutting it. Everyone in there dips. They dips and spit. Yeah. Get out any water. But I don't dip. I don't do tobacco. So. Yeah. I had to suck on Jolly Ranchers all day and spit, and my tongue is like bleeding from sucking on Jolly Ranchers all day. Wow. And I'm already lacking water, and my coach made me drink two tubs of Epsom salt. And because I hadn't eaten for four days, nothing came out. Because he was trying to get me a diarrhea. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but nothing came out, so it just stayed in my body. And all that salt staying in my body... Probably was not good because then I couldn't sweat anything out. Yeah. So when I was cutting weight, dude, I was legit in the sauna all day with two layers of hoodies, two with two towels wrapped underneath and a like a sweat wrap band yeah. and two pairs of socks, two pairs of pants, jump roping, burpees, fucking like knee touches like yeah. nonstop in there working out trying to sweat it out to the point where my body wouldn't even sweat anymore where i had to sleep in a sauna suit i slept in the sauna suit all night because i didn't make weight i didn't make weight i was only uh i was only 0.6 pounds over i was only 0.6 pounds over you really couldn't cut because that's that's pretty intense because i think for me if i well i'm a pretty big guy so like if i wanted to cut like Five pounds in a day, I could do it. Like, I could just literally not eat, sweat, run like 10 miles in a fucking sauna suit, and then I'll cut that five pounds like that. Yeah. I think the most I can cut in a day, maybe like two pounds. But no, my body yeah. just does not. It, it, Yeah, I can't. I mean, it's hard because like, I mean, when you were probably doing and you're doing it with the people that you're doing it with, these people aren't really well versed in how like the body works. Yeah. So there's like, you know, there's people in like in the UFC now, when, when they get their money, they get their paychecks, they have a whole team around them. And this yep. team really understands nutrition. They understand dieting. They understand how to cut weight. There's like, I forgot who it was, but there's this guy that's very, very good at cutting weight. He's like this specialist, but he, he gets people to cut weight like nothing. Not nothing, but he understands the science behind behind it and how like the body retains water and stuff like that yeah and so i'm pretty sure you didn't have that and so they're just trying to get no. you to sweat that's why he just had you you know eat epsom salt yeah you know? yeah and on top of that like oh i was also drinking clay i was drinking white benonite whatever clay because there's this one thing it's supposed to like take out it's supposed to trap any type of like stuff inside and poop it out. But the problem is I had no food thing to help push it out. So it was just sitting in there. Yeah. And plus back then they don't know about girls fighting. There was no girls fighting. So there was no science mm. behind how a girl would cut weight, especially yeah. during her period. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there yeah. was all those factors involved and hormones and everything else. I'm like just having the toughest time. And did, did she take the fight even though you were like, she did. Okay. Because like, so I asked her, I was like, Hey, um, so as a girl, my dumb ass, I went to her, went to my opponent and her coach. I was like, Hey, so, you know, you know, as a girl, you know, I'm on my period. I'm only 0.6 pounds over. Is it cool if we fight at a catch weight? And of course his, her coach is like, Nope, you got to cut the weight to get me weaker. Yeah. So that's why I ended up at that time. I was only three days of no food, no water, which is still a lot. So I ended up having cut weight up to two hours before my fight. 
Oh, shit. The, to the next day. Didn't freaking eat anything. And finally, I make weight. And we end up fighting. And, dude, it was the craziest experience of my life. Like, I felt like I was in a movie. Because I forgot what movie it was. There was that one movie with uh, was it Jet Li. Oh, Jet, oh. Jet Li, where right before every fight scene, everything goes into tunnel vision and mm. everything's slow-mo. And I remember watching that movie. I'm like, that's fucking bullshit. That doesn't happen when you fight. Dude, a legit fat fucking happens. Like, yeah. to the T. It looked like it was in a movie. I don't even know how I won that fight because skill-wise, she was better than me. Um, like, weight-wise, like, everything, she yeah. was, she's supposed to win the fight. Mm -hmm. But because of... I was just pissed at the fact, like, I'm like, I'm not going to lose because I did not cut weight and come all the way up here, didn't eat or drink water for four days to come up here to lose a damn fight. How did you win the fight? Uh, three rounds of unanimous, unanimous decision. Oh, really? So, yeah, you I was just, like 30, 27, 30, 27, 30, 27. Oh, you just outscored her. Yeah. So I stood up or stand up. I didn't even get any takedowns because I didn't even know wrestling. I learned all my striking and wrestling in three weeks. Oh shit. So I couldn't take her down. And the problem was she knew I was a ground girl. She knew I was a jujitsu girl. So she stuffed all my takedowns. Oh. And so I never got her to the ground and I ended up having a stand with her all three rounds. And the only, that's fucking crazy. It, I, yeah, it was fucking crazy. I don't even know how I did it. I was just, I think it was the adrenaline because the adrenaline got me so focused to the point where I saw all her punches coming eight seconds before it happened. Mm. It felt like eight seconds because I remember there was one point where I elbowed her. No, I punched her. I jabbed her in the face and I broke her nose and she was bleeding. And when she was bleeding, I felt bad. I yeah. actually felt bad. I was like, I thought to myself, I was like, damn, her nose is broken. I'm like, maybe I should let her punch me. I feel really bad. I don't have any of that shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, like, once they're punching the face, it's like, you should have kept your hands up. Yeah, I, I don't know. I was like, because of my first fight, I felt bad. Like, I'm not a... I, I, I never decided to get into fighting. I wanted it as self-defense. Like, I'm not a... I can't believe you got peer pressure into fighting. No, there's no such thing as peer pressure for me. If they said they put my fucking name on the newspaper, I'm like, well, I guess everybody just wasted a bunch of fucking ink because I'm not showing up, baby. And I would just move on from it. That's fucking crazy. I can't get peer pressure in that shit. Especially now, just because like how like, well, you know what? To be honest with you, like I've, I've, I've been to a few smokers before and you know, it's kind of a toss up because some people are dope and some people are just really fucking bad. Exactly. It's just a matter of luck. It's like, who are you going to get to fight in this round? Right. Cause there's even like, uh, like the Muay Thai point system shit. Right. It's exactly. Like, like, like I've, uh, uh, you know, you met Alex, right? Our buddy, Alex, mm -hmm. Alex, uh, did a PKB match and you know, I've seen PKBs where, you know, it's supposed to be an amateur point system thing. Right. So you're not supposed to throw out like full clip, and they do it based on points. If it gets too crazy, they, they kind of break it up and split it up. That shit was not the case for Alex's. It was a PKB thing, but they were throwing full fucking clip. And then there was no, they, the ref didn't step in or stop it at all. So I was like, oh man, this is all a fucking wash. Like you never know what's going to fucking happen. Because when he, when I saw Alex's match, I was like, 
damn, dude, this is just a full-on amateur match, dude. This is not a PKB match because they, they just were just throwing 100%. It was fucking crazy. So I feel like nowadays, like, it's it's it's, it's so hard because, like, you just don't know some if you're going to get the guy that trains six times a week or you're going to get the guy that trains, like, a couple and thinks he's a fighter, you know? So you might get it's like, it's like that because I know usually it makes the promotion look bad if the matchmaking is not well, somewhat close. Well, PKBs are just burners, so they're not oh, – okay, there's, there's no, like, promotion. It's not, like, a lights-out type of thing or it's not, like, one of those, like, small consider – like, uh, small, like, UFC MMA fighting rings. Like, this is, like, smokers, like, small. where people will just – Get, no get together and fight PKB. It's I'm not I'm not sure how they're sanctioned, but there is a ref there. It's it's, it's an open mat space, so it's not within a ring. So this this is like Muay Thai point system shit, and so they have headgear, oh. they have shin guards or whatever because it's still an amateur match, but they do it based on points, and you're not supposed to get knocked out. I think like if you knock the person out, you lose. See, I I think yeah, I mean that's kind of weird. They, but I understand also because I think it's different when they add the element of protection. Mm-hmm. Because if there's if you don't have headgear and anything to protect you, then it should be mashed up more evenly. Yeah, at least because if you have something for protection, because ugh, Virginia it was so not regulated. Same with DC and East Coast yeah. during that time, it was all pro rules. I could elbow, I could knee to the face. Everything was oh, allowed. You're an amateur. Yeah, that's fucking crazy. Everything was allowed with no protection. No. We didn't have anything, no shin pads, nothing. Yikes. Yeah, like. I look back on it. I'm like, that's stupid. <laughs> like, how many how many fights did you do after that? Uh, three. So I had four total. Damn. So you just kept continuing. I would have stopped. I'm like, I won. I'm good. If I win one match, I'm done. Well, I'm like, I ended up liking it, and I ended up wanting to do it as a career. Oh wow. So I like really seriously wanted to pursue it. Have you ever lost? No. Oh, you never lost. So you just yeah. kept winning. Yeah, I ended up winning four fights um, for MMA. And then for my jujitsu, I had 18 matches and I won 16 out of the 18. That's fucking crazy. But you're, you, but you know, when we were hanging out, you have so many fucking injuries now. And that's, yeah. all, and that's not even from the fighting, that's from fucking pro wrestling. Well, I think the reason why I'm so prone to injury now is because of my overtraining in MMA. Because I used to train ridiculous, like, like, I'm talking, I'm not even exaggerating, 15 and a half hours was my most a day. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, but I, my average was eight hours a day of straight training. And I did that for years. And I never stretched, never did rehab. That's for sure why you got hurt, though. <laughs> yeah, I, because my body. I mean, there's and, this huge, like, science behind, I mean, that's what I'm saying, like, how much like fight science has evolved. Like one of the guys that I love following is kind of uh, Faraz Sahabi. Like Faraz Sahabi oh. is GSP's coach, right? Yeah. And he always talks about people who, who uh, they don't really optimize their training. And it's that old fashioned thing of just going ham. Yep, like, that's what I was brought up know, on. It was stupid. Eight to 15 hours a day, no rest, not thinking about nutrition, stretching, nope. flexibility, mobility, um, like functional fitness. And so um, like what I love about like what Faraz talks about he talks about like a lot of like optimized training. So when you should train, how you should train, you know, you're not supposed to go ham like 24, 24 fucking seven. There's like a certain amount of hours that you should train and you should be training at about like 50 to 60%. You know, if, yep. you're, if you're pushing weights, you shouldn't be going at, at your max every day. You know, you basically, you know, you overload your nervous system. There's all this like science behind it that's developed. And it's because people like you started this way <laughs> and then people yeah. get fucked up. That's crazy. It sucks because back then it was that like tough guy mentality because during my first fight, I had already tore my ACL. My ACL tore before that and I fought 
my first fight on a torn ACL and my knee popped up during my fight and I had to pop it back in during the fight. Fuck. Yeah, and then my second fight, I tore my shoulder. My shoulder was falling out and I had to fight with a shoulder out of socket and just keep it packed in. So it was just like stupid stuff. It's like- Was it your jab or was it your cross? It was my jab shoulder. Oh, shit. Yeah, and the thing is I always lead with the jab and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, it was super fucked up. But How did you win that fight without, without one of your arms? Um, I ended up getting rear naked choke. I submitted oh, to go. shit. Yeah. So that one, by that time, I, you know, I learned some wrestling a little bit more and I knew how to take people down. Um, but my first fight, you know, just way too new. Didn't yeah. know anything. And yeah, I, but I, I was stubborn, you know, I'm stubborn. And I think the way I won that fight was because she punched me thinking I would go down, but I just keep coming forward. I yeah. just took the punch. and I just kept going. I was just like, fuck this shit. Yeah. This bitch is not gonna like, yeah. like, I remember when she hit me, I didn't even feel pain because of adrenaline, but I heard the thud of my skull. Oh shit. Yeah. I heard my skull go doom. And I was like, this bitch just hit me. Yeah. Because I, when I went in, it was so weird because I seen people fight and every time before they fight, they get, they hype themselves up. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just like, oh, 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 and they're coming out. And I felt nothing. Yeah. I felt nothing. My coaches were actually concerned and they forced me to go and warm up and do something and get hype. But I didn't feel hype. I just walked out all normal mm -hmm. and I was just chilling. I walked in the cage. I was like, all right, I'm waiting for me to feel hype. I don't feel anything. The door closes. I was like, well, all right, we're in here now. Ding, ding, ding. And I still feel nothing. She runs and charges at me and punches me in the head. And then that's when everything came in. I, and I got, I was like, this bitch just punched me. Yeah. And then I was like, well, fuck this. And then we started like fighting and stuff. But yeah, I think the only reason is she thought I would go down and I just didn't because I don't know. I was like, fucking like, fuck this. I'm not trying to lose. I think like some people too, like they, they kind of, they get revved up once that contact happens. Cause even Nick was talking about like when he would fight, he's a slow starter. Yeah, so I think Nick had uh, like five or six amateur matches and then he was a slow starter. So he was like, you know, it, it's all good and gravy. He feels it out. And then when somebody starts like, you know, clipping him and that's when he gets like, oh, shit, now it's on. So there's I think like there's people who fight differently. But it's it's interesting because like nobody knows what it's like to fight until you get socked in the face. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's all theory. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even like light sparring is all theory because, you know, you're throwing it about like 30 percent, 30 percent. But then when you have when like there's two things that happen, right, which I don't think people understand. It's like, number one, what it feels like to get rocked when you get hit mm -hmm. feels completely different. And number two is what how exhausted you get when you're throwing full clip. So yeah. that's the part. It's like you think it's it's tiring to hit a bag. Try 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 throwing at 100% and missing. That's, that's why these people yeah. get tired. They're throwing. And that's when people have great head movement. They're ducking. They're slipping. They're rolling. And these guys are tossing. They're throwing at 100%. And then you see like in boxing, they're exhausted after. So you're like, why, why is defense so important? Well, those people who throw at 100% and they miss, they're exhausted. Yeah. That's why I think it's super important for people. Whoever watches like UFC or or they watch any type of like competitive martial arts. That's actually the reason why I started going back into training. I, and I hit up Nick and I just by chance met him and we um, decided to train together and uh, was because I wanted to know the sport a little more. Because mm -hmm. every time I watched the UFC, I could only understand it up to a certain point, right? It's because I don't know what it's like to be exhausted like that. I don't know what it's like to exchange like that. I don't understand the science behind kickboxing and I don't understand the, the science behind like jujitsu and the ground game. So, so when I started training with Nick, then the sport became more fun. Because now I'm like, oh, yeah. I could see this. I could see why people 
Because before, like, I, I feel like when I was watching it, sometimes I would get upset at fighters if they're doing certain things. But now that I've been in a training situation, I'm like, oh, now I know why they're fucking up. He's fucking tired. Yeah. He's gassed out. You know what I mean? So, like, a great example is, like, I got a buddy named uh, Andre Sukumtat. Uh, he used to be, he's a former UFC fighter. Um, shout out to Andre. Uh, I followed him uh, when he was at a different promotion. Um, and then when he got into the UFC, so he fought this guy named Sean O'Malley. Mm. Now, in this fight, uh, Andre was kind of getting lit up a little bit. Uh, Andre is a very, very, very fucking tough guy. I don't think he's ever been uh, knocked out ever or TKO'd or anything. Everything went to either decision he lost or he won. Uh, Andre, basically what happens is Sean O'Malley, I think what happened was um, Andre had a high guard. He did a high kick and then Sean O'Malley broke either his foot. He broke his foot or his ankle. Uh-huh. And then Andre, everybody was freaking out because when Andre was in that match, what was happening was his foot was out. All he had to do was stand up, attack his leg or something, and the ref would have called it off because Sean couldn't stand. And this was like in the last like minute of the round or so. Uh, Andre decides to go for a takedown instead, which now it doesn't really matter whether his ankle's hurt or not because the ref's not going to call it off because it's on his back. Mm-hmm. And so Andre was losing the fight up until that point. But if the ref saw that his foot was broken and Sean couldn't stand on it, they would have called the match and Andre would have got the W. But Andre went for the takedown. He was wrestling. And people were screaming, like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why did you take him down? And so, but because I've been training, I kind of saw him because he was getting hit in the head a lot. He oh. already had tunnel vision. He was, he was like on the verge of blacking out. So oh, whatever shit. his coaches were screaming at him, like, yo, like, don't go for the takedown. Go for the strikes. Go for it. It's like, he couldn't hear that shit. He was, he was already just out on his feet. Uh, you know what I mean so when people watch a match like that and I've read all the comments and stuff that people were saying like yo that was a dumb move but it's like if you've never trained right like if you've never been hit in your fucking head and yeah. if you haven't gone three rounds with somebody you don't know what that fighter's going through I know like when other fighters say that shit they can maybe they have a better opinion on it because they said like oh I wouldn't have done that no matter what maybe they do but from my perspective I saw a guy who was you know the guy got sh- struck in his head a lot and he was kind of dazed. So I'm yeah. pretty sure he couldn't hear anything. And I asked him and that was the case. He goes, dude, at that point, bro, he was like, I was I was just trying to survive. So yeah. he was lighting me up and what, I just couldn't hear my coaches. My ears were ringing. I couldn't hear shit. And so that's what's happening. So that's like that perspective of like people who don't train and they have a harsh opinion about a sport that they don't know anything about. You know, exactly. That's uh, that's the thing that I actually hate the most when when I'm seeing people as a fan, I guess watching it and they're screaming and getting angry about the fact they're like, why the hell didn't he do this? Well, it's like, it's a lot more complicated than that. And it's like, unless you've done it and you really know how it's like, and even if you've done it, it's, it's different in a fight situation. Yeah. And on top of that, Every fighter is different. Mm-hmm. Their mentality goes into it differently. Oh, I think that that mentality part is huge. Because there's people who who I I love in the UFC who um, there's like I I feel like it's a game of inches. You know what yes. I mean? Because they're all a part of great camps. They're all great fighters. Um, but there's just something missing in their game that just it's like small things that put them above somebody else. Yes. Like one of my favorite fighters in the UFC right now, which he was like kind of on a losing streak. He was going up and down was Kevin Lee. And the oh, reason yeah, why I love Kevin that. Lee is because I think he's like one of the best well-rounded fighters out there. And what I found out through the Joe Rogan podcast was that he actually didn't have a coach since his last coach, I think passed away. And he <gasps> oh, was just no. training himself for yeah. all of his matches. So he didn't have a game plan going into the stuff aside from the stuff that he was doing himself. And he was doing pretty decent. And I was like, how come he can't really 
put these things together. So recently, he he's training with Faraz Sahabi. Ah, he fights uh, Gillespie, who. By the way, hasn't lost at that point. I think he was undefeated at that point. And I, I haven't really followed him that much, but everybody was hyping it up where it was like, yo, Kevin Lee's going to lose. Kevin Lee fucking knocks him out with a head kick, which is Damn. amazing. And people were shocked because people had Kevin Lee losing that fight. But that's just how how that small little tweak in somebody's game, him getting a coach like Faraz to really switch up his game and kind of set up a game plan for him and how much he changed him as a fighter, which is crazy because he was losing before. And then all of a sudden he has a head coach. And his whole game flips up. But everybody was doubting him up to that point. And that's, that's why I really believe, like, fighting is seriously a small game of inches. It's like, who is in your corner? Who's training you? Who can really, like, set you up to be a great fighter? You know? That is so key. Uh, coaches, oh, they are so key. Not only is that, but it's not just the coaches that's in there teaching you day in and day out. But it's also the coaches that's there on site, mm. knowing how to coach you during the fight because if they can't speak and say things properly it's you're gonna lose the fight no matter how well trained you are because it's being coached when you're training the skill versus also being coached the day of the fight yeah so that's key everything around you your team around you your mentality and everything the smallest little things can make such a huge difference Mm. so yeah i definitely believe in that and uh yeah, that's key to everything. Yeah, when when I think uh, one of the things that I had trouble with when I was first starting to do because I did I did uh, taekwondo when I was a kid and I did kickboxing when I was twenty and then uh, when I, what I'm starting to see now, especially what I like in coaches, is a coach that kind of finds what your style is versus them imposing their mm-hmm. style on you, right? Yes. So they they keep saying things like this is wrong, this is better, this is better. But instead of like looking at what the fighter's great at and kind of developing that out of them, I think that kind of sometimes messes people up a lot. And for other fighters too, if people do start like competing and training, um, I think one of the f- the fun parts of fighting is you finding your own style. Yeah, It's like, how do I like to fight? Am I, am I somebody who's a little bit more defensive? Am I somebody who likes to control the ring? Am I somebody who's, uh, it depends on your style. Were you a karate base? Are you an in and out fighter? Are you somebody who just likes to sit there and bang it out? Like, it really depends on who you are and how you fight, right? And, um, like, that's, like, the fun part. It's like, well, how, 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 what's my style like, you know? That is, yeah. I mean, that's that's the thing, though. When people, I think that goes for anything. If, if you're not a good teacher or coach, you're going to end up imposing what you think you know. But the thing mm. is, especially with martial arts, where every body type is different, you got to take that into consideration. It's like, I think about jujitsu, where some move that I'm taught, it works so well for someone, but it doesn't work well for me, yeah. and vice versa. It's like, you got this long dude with long limbs, like doing this one move versus my short ass trying to do that move. It's not going to be the same. So yeah. you really have to look at the body because even just someone being long or short or thick or thin, that's going to affect everything. Mm. So after your MMA stuff, um, you got picked up to do WWE because people saw you. So what happened was um, when I was training MMA, uh, I got invited to go out to the Tap Out Ranch in Albuquerque. And then I trained for about two weeks, a little mini fight camp out uh, at Greg Jackson's. Mm -hmm. So I went out there um, and I met this girl that wrote for Fight Magazine. And she interviewed this fighter that was on 1FC who fought Brandon Vera. And so he added me on Facebook because we have so many mutual friends. And the thing with 
Albuquerque, it's like really weird because it's so tight knit and small that if one person adds you on as a friend on Facebook, the whole city adds you. Oh, wow. So okay. it's like the whole city. Everyone's yeah. just adding me. I'm just like, what the fuck? So this guy added me because of all our friends. And then he didn't say shit to me for like four years. Hmm. Never said anything to me. And I was just like, okay, I didn't think anything of it. Out of nowhere after that, when I had already moved out here to California and was training at Black House, he ends up hitting me up and he goes, hey, I've been watching you train. I think you'd be really good for WWE. If you want to try out, let me know. Because he happened to be friends with the old recruiter that was there. That guy's gone now, but he was friends with him. And so he just, because he saw me training, he was like, oh, she'd be good. And there you go. Like, bam, I ended up getting an opportunity to try out. But my ass didn't know anything about WWE. I thought there was no way I get a chance. So this is my chance. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Like my little childhood dream that I thought was never possible is actually coming to life. But I didn't know how to train for it. I was like, I guess I'm gonna be training for it like I would for a fight, but without the striking. Mm -hmm. So I was training wrestling, just pure wrestling and also strength and conditioning. And then my strength and conditioning coach one day was like, oh, you got a fight coming up? I'm like, actually, no, I got a tryout. He's like, for what? And I said, WWE. He goes, oh, you know, there's a pro wrestling gym down the street, right? And I was like, what? There's pro wrestling gyms? Like, that's a thing? Because I thought that you have to know real, like, shoot wrestling. And then next thing you know, you get hired WWE and then they teach you their stuff. Mm. I didn't know there was actually pro wrestling schools. It's like a performance art. Yeah, I didn't know that. Like, I didn't know. I actually didn't even know it was a performance art. I thought it was amateur wrestling. That's so fucking funny. You're I know. You're fucking hilarious. All I right. thought it was the same thing. Yeah. Like, I was just like, oh, I just thought it was in my mind. It's the what left off of as what I saw as a kid. So I ended up going to this gym. Turns out to be Brian Kendrick's school, Santino Brothers. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's where I trained at for two and a half. No two months, Mm -hmm. two months. And I just learned the basics and got through the tryout. And next thing you know, like in WWE. (laughs) That's fucking crazy. I know. I mean, first of all, what do your parents think about your career choices? (laughs) Oh, God. That's fucking insane. It's like, you know, (laughs) like, I don't know if my parents would have been like, oh, yeah, you know, that that thing that used to fucking break all of our furniture, that shit that used to watch that used to (laughs) fuck up our house. Like, that's what I want you to do for a living. Because I used to, fuck shit up in my house because of wwe are you serious i oh used my gosh. to fuck things up so I had, I had a cousin he loved wwe with me and so we used to watch that shit every fucking thursday <laughs> thursday night smackdown and um because i was the one that came out on public television so i used to watch that shit all the time and if my friends had their shit on cable i would watch you know what you know whatever fucking what's it called like wcw or the other shit um but i used to love fucking uh the rock so that the rock fucking the rock bottom was my shit, <laughs> and we would pretend like the walls were the fucking the the what do you call it the ropes and shit yeah. bounce each other off. I would rock bottom this motherfucker, bounce off, do the fucking people's elbow, hit him with that shit. One time, there was a couple times I really fucked up. There was one time uh, I was trying to power bomb this fool into the couch, so I had him under my legs. I flipped him up. And then I was going to powerbomb, but I kind of stepped backwards because, you know, when you have somebody at a powerbomb, they're basically sitting on your – their dick is in your face and they're sitting on you like a chair. And he teabagged you. And then I backed up <laughs> and then I missed, I missed the fucking couch and I slammed straight onto the hardwood floor. 
Oh, fuck. Dude, I felt so fucking bad. All you heard was him go, because uh, <laughs> all the air fucking went out. And then this other time, I, I Kurt Angle slammed him into into my bed. But then uh, I did it too hard, so I bent my fucking bed frame. My parents got so mad, they beat my fucking ass, and they made me <laughs> sleep on that sh- on that curved bed for like two, three months. Like, I used to fuck people up with that shit. I love that fucking, like, hillbilly trash shit, dude. <laughs> that shit was some hillbilly stuff, dude. It was. It legit was. And there was, like, people who would, you know, have, like, their own WWE wrestling shit. Um, in their backyard. In their backyards. <laughs> and they would fuck each yeah. other up. And then at church, we would have these folding chairs that we would set up every time before <laughs> sermon. But guess what I did after church when we had to fold it up? I would smash that shit behind people's head. I love that shit, dude. Oh, my gosh. Like, how, how did... J- like, wait, how did you get into that? It was like that. I think it was just my during my time um, when I was like in the seventh or eighth grade, everybody was into that shit. And even before that, it was like, you know, Hulk Hogan. Wait, Razor how old are you? I'm 32. <gasps> We're the same age. Yeah. So I'm 32. Okay, yeah. So I, I used to love that shit when I was a kid. So it was it was like the hottest thing out there. Oh, yeah. Because by then I had kind of started falling out watching it. So that's yeah. why I wasn't. You weren't into that shit at that yeah. time. Yeah. Because when you probably see since we're the same age, when you were uh, 12 or 13, which is when you stopped watching yeah, it, that's exactly. when it was like the hottest. So 13, yeah. 12, 13, 14 was when it was like the dopest shit ever. That's when I started. Yeah. Because that's when I stopped watching it. Did you Did you ever get like seriously injured while you were doing like the WWE? Yeah, because uh, I, I know I know a couple of dudes who got really fucked up. There's a guy who trained out in uh, Vegas, and he was um, he's actually a guy that I met through like the Caesar's Palace, mm-hmm. and he works for them. Uh, I think his name. I think he told me his moniker was like the Phoenix, dopest dude ever, fucking nicest guy ever. I love this guy, but he actually was his whole life. He wanted to be a pro wrestler, and he was going through the whole training cap and everything, and he was doing like amateur amateur you know wwe style wrestling um under his moniker like the phoenix he got his spine compressed and i think uh, i forgot what the fuck happened but he fucked up his back where he was lifting somebody up or some shit and he did it improperly and his spine just compacted pop 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 oh god so he was fucked up because i know a lot of people who get hurt during that shit yeah uh i mean yeah i would i would say i mean i dislocated my shoulder it took like same one yeah same one fuck yeah it twice so i dislocated it um when i got thrown landed on it wrong and then i got the second time it dislocated again was when i got like thrown and it just so we were outside of the ring we're fighting outside of the ring and then i got thrown into the metal part underneath yeah, so then it like hit it so hard it came out again. So I fucked up the shoulder and it put me out for a while. Um, and then I think from this being fucked up, I don't know what caused it, but something happened where it just gave me some type of thing in my back on the same side where it was bothering me for like a year and a half. Yeah, A year and a half, it just, it was so tight and it affected my whole neck. It would be something as simple as me turning my head and I will pull my whole neck like constantly. Damn. It hasn't happened recently. So I'm assuming it like healed, but I think that's probably the worst injury and uh, probably be, you know, uh, probably concussion a little bit, you know, but concussions. Well, what happened to your fucking knees then? Because your knees are all fucked up. Is that from? That's from MMA. God damn it. Yeah, this popped out. 
during MMA because I was doing Muay Thai and I pivoted to turn and my toe got caught in between the mat. Oh, shit, so my that, foot I, was stuck there I and then my whole body turned. I fucking hate when that, I get freaked out when that happens. If you have really shitty mats, that's what happens. It was shitty puzzle mats back yeah. then. So like, th- people still have those fucking shit ass puzzle mats, man. Yeah. And my toe, so there's, I used to train at this place in Sacramento and they had those, you know, the red and blue fucking puzzle mats. <laughs> that's the type I had, yeah. Yeah, the same that was shit. The type. And then when you would rotate or pivot or you would even try to move laterally, some of those puzzle shits comes apart. Yep. And then your fucking toe gets stuck in that shit. Yep. And that's the way you hurt yourself, huh? Yep. And my whole knee like blew out. Oh, that fucking sucks. It was like popping. It was falling and falling in and out like so easily. It was so loose. It was falling in and out every day for a year and a half. Wow. And never got surgery on it. And I met this Olympic wrestling coach that taught me this PT workout. Mm-hmm. I went crazy, went ham on it for like an hour straight with no rest every single day for almost a month straight and healed it. Never had an issue since. Wow. Yeah. So I basically healed his knee, even though it was a third degree tear. I tore my ACL fully. My LCL is probably fully tear- torn. I'm about to get an MRI to get it checked out because I've never actually seen it yeah. since it tore back in 2008. So, and I almost didn't get hired by WWE because of it. Because they saw it and they're like, you have a fully torn ACL. We can't hire you. Because that's the thing. If you don't have no ACL or torn ACL, you are not hired. Yeah. But because I trained it so hard that I was able to keep it in and I was able to do everything. And oh, I remember I was so pissed. So this is what happened. I was at the time, um, so... I'm friends with uh, Joe Stevenson from UFC. He used to be the fight choreographer for that Nick Jonas TV show, uh, The Kingdom. Yeah. So he asked me to um, be on the show, and uh, he was actually trying to get me to. He told me I, w- I was going to be on a season for you know it was going to be like a three four months of filming. And at this time, I had already gone to WWE for a tryout, and then I got signed, they, or they told me I was hired. Signed my contract, sent it in, two days later, and, uh, oh yeah, so sent it in, two days later, I'm on set, because uh, they told, so I wasn't actually supposed to start officially until July 2017, but it made me come half a year early, in January 2017, mm. and uh which kind of ruined my chances for the TV show. And so when I told them, I was like, hey, can I come in July? Because I got this TV show I want to do. And they were like, no, it's either us or them. So I picked WWE yeah. and I didn't take it. And instead I just did background work. And when I was there on set, Joe announced to everyone on set and told them, oh yeah, my friend got signed to WWE. And so everyone's here congratulating me. And then that day, I'm driving home, I'm driving driving through Hollywood, and next thing you know, uh, the main dude from WWE calls me and he goes, hey, are you sitting down right now? And I was like, I'm driving, what's up? He goes, you need to park and sit down. I was like, okay. So I parked, and he goes, yeah, we can't hire you. You have no ACL, you're high risk. And I was like, what? 
I was like, I had, I was already going to move out that week. Mm-hmm. I already, I quit all my jobs, quit all my jobs and signed everything. Like I was ready to move out that week. Yeah. And then he tells me I'm not hired after they announced to everyone that I'm about to be, like I'm signed. Yeah. I'm just like, what the fuck? And I was like, what do you mean? Like you saw me through my whole tryout. I can obviously do everything. I had my whole MMA career on it. Like I'm fine. My knee works fine. And he's like, nope, you're high risk. Can't hire you. Sorry hung up on me i was in shock and i was like so in shock and literally as soon as we hung up on the phone this woman's getting robbed and this guy like steals her purse and starts running and at the second i was already pissed and i was just like fuck this shit and i went chasing after the dude with a saw (laughs) a saw why did you have a fucking saw because my dad told me uh he said, because I, I used to, okay, so when I first moved out of California, uh, I was homeless for almost half a year. Damn. Yeah, I was sleeping out of my car. Um, and I had a sword, because I used to have a sword collection. I still have it. I have a sword collection, and um, I kept a katana in my car, some pocket knives, and in case someone tried to, like, abduct me, because I almost got abducted when I was yeah, out so here, too. Yeah, so trauma from there. I almost got abducted for real when I came to California already. Like some guy tried to get me in his van. Oh my god! Why, yeah, do, people, I why do people keep on trying to lead you like these dark alleyways and shit? No. What is it about you that people keep trying to rape you? My god! <laughs> it happens so much. I had to pull my knife out on someone twice, like twice. One in Virginia and one when I moved out here. What part of where were you at? Uh, I was, was on La Brea. La Brea. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, I was on highway of La Brea. And then it was seven o'clock in the summer. So the sun was still out. My car was shit. And it broke down on me and started like heating and stuff. The smoke was coming out. So I literally just got out, popped the trunk. Not even 10 seconds later, I turn around. There's two dudes behind me. And one guy was like, oh, your car's just overheating. Let it cool off, pour some water in, and you're good to go. And I was, I had just moved here to California. And I was like, oh, everyone so nice. here's so nice. Yeah. You know, everyone in Cali is so nice helping me out. And then the dude told the other dude, you good? And that dude's like, yeah. So I, I, at first I thought they came together. But then the other guy stayed behind. And I was like, okay. And that guy was like talking to me but he had like really poor english so he was just kind of like saying something about cars and then he was like blah 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 blah. you want to get in my van and i was like uh no thanks that's okay and then all of a sudden we'll be talking about something else and then he'll say it again you want to get my van and i was like no thank you and he goes yeah you can get in my van and stuff i'm like no no no, it's cool i gotta head to work and stuff i i'm gonna wait till my car cools down you're good but thank you though i really appreciate it and then he'll he'll continue talking as if we weren't even on the subject he'll just start talking about cars something about cars and then he said it again you want to get in my van and i was like no and i started getting annoyed at this point it was like four or five times he's asking me i'm like no why am i getting your van like i don't need to get in your van and then he goes oh you know it's dangerous out here we're on the side of the road and i'm like no no it's not i got my hazard lights on we're on the side of the road we're not in traffic we're fine and then all of a sudden he gets in my face like this close and he goes get in my van fucking yelled at me to get in his van 
And at this point, you know, I've already dealt with all this shit in Virginia. I've gotten almost raped so many times and almost like, shot oh, and stabbed. You know? This is this Sunday. Is normal. You know? Walk in the park. He's like, you should just told him, you know how many times people have tried to get me in their van? Yeah. It's never happened. So yeah. just move on at this point. I was like. He just got so, mad. He just snapped, huh? Yeah, he snapped and I got mad. I was like, the first thing I thought was. I can't believe this dude fucking yelled at me. Yeah. And I fucking, this was summertime and I was so broke. I left my, I rolled my windows down because I couldn't afford to use AC. So I fucking went around and went in my car, got my phone to call the cops, got the knife in my other hand. I'm dialing 911. Next thing you know, because the windows are down, he reaches his hand in and bends my arm back to not, he bends it back and he didn't see I had a knife in this hand. I'm like, get the fuck off me. Don't fucking touch me. And he goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm sorry. You can trust me. I'm just trying to help you. I'm like, no, get the fuck off of me. That's a tweaker, dude. Yep. I bet he was on drugs and he was trying to abduct my ass and get him in his fucking like one of those rapist vans. It was yeah. legit like our movie, the white sliding door with no window van. Those worker vans. That's what he was trying to get me in. What the fuck? Yeah. And then he turned back around. I like had my knife over here. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I'm in California. Am I allowed to stab him? There's all these people driving. Like if I stab him, I'm going to get in trouble. I don't yeah. know the laws out here. And I'm just like thinking all these things. And then I told my parents about what happened. And my dad's like, yeah, just get a saw because you can't get in trouble because it's a tool. Oh and my that's God. why that's I have why a you saw. have a saw in your fucking car. Your dad's hilarious. <laughs> your dad completely ignored the fact that you almost got raped. He goes, hey, 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 why don't you get a saw next time? Be a little more careful. You got the stupid little knife. Use a fucking saw. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's like not even hearing about the part where the guy almost raped you. Yeah, like, I was like, what the fuck? And no, they actually, I think they're so used to it at this point. Because Did they know they, you were homeless? No, because... Of course you wouldn't tell them. I knew you didn't tell them. Yeah, I didn't tell them. them Yeah, because like... You just came here with no fucking money. And you just decided... Well, okay. Fuck, it's a long story. So, the... There's a lot of things that went into it. Yeah. I moved away from Virginia because of several things. Um, I was doing MMA out there. Mm -hmm. And I ended up dating this guy that was the all-star of the gym. And he was like a UFC prospect at the time. And, uh, well, what's fucked up is he was abusive. Um, we're, he, physically I was in, abusive? Physically abusive. I was in an abusive relationship, and I was stuck with him. Um, I was stuck on lease with him. So financially, I was fucked. Politically, I was fucked because my coach told him, told me not to get him locked up in jail uh, because he was like the, the next, next guy. guy. Yeah. What's his name? Say his fucking name. Did he even get to the UFC? Nope. He ended up turning into a stripper. Tight, Fucking stripper. This fool's just fucking using his jujitsu on dicks now, huh? Look at that. (laughs) Pretty much. This guy named uh, Mike Wade. Mike Wade, you fucking bitch. You probably kill me if you met me in person. But you don't live in California, dude. He's a fucking little bitch. And yeah, uh, yeah, he. uh, Fuck you, Mike Wade. You can wait (laughs) on these nuts, bitch. Oh, God. He's probably still really buff because he's a stripper. He's a fucking stripper. He's doing steroids. He's selling coke. I don't know what the fuck else he's doing, but he's not winning at life at all. Yeah. So, yeah, he was fucking abusive. And um, I try to fucking leave. And there was just so many ways I was fucked um, financially. I was stuck with him on a lease. Uh, and 
The thing is, the lease wouldn't let me out. I was co-signed with him because his credit sucked and I had awesome 800 credit score, bitch. So yeah. they took the average of 600 and that's how we even got the apartment. So we lived together and he uh, he ended up having a fucking DUI. Oh, so I had to shit. drive him around and shit. And then we're stuck on this damn lease and he wouldn't sign me out. The only way I could get out of the lease is be signed out. Or I would have to pay a $3,500 termination fee, which I didn't have. And my parents didn't know I was living together with someone because my parents were traditional and they're like, you can't of course, live yeah. with anyone until you're married type of thing. So they didn't know any of this and I had to keep a secret. And the next thing you know, um, I can't get them locked up because of my gym and my career. If I get them locked up and fuck up my coach, that fucks up my career in turn of that. And on top of that, I couldn't get out the lease unless I had a police report. But I'm not allowed to lock him in, up in jail because I'd be fucked politically yeah, and my yeah, career-wise. Yeah. So I was just fucked all the way around. And I was just trying to think of a way out. And I couldn't. And at first, you know, it was crazy. Like... He was, everything went so well for the first eight months. Eight months. That's a long time to upkeep a fake facade. Yeah, usually facade. that shit comes out pretty quick. Quick. Nah, this dude, I'm pretty sure he, he was a fucking sociopath because I talked to people about this because everyone, it was so many things. Everyone, we had so many mutual friends just because of the MMA circuit you know we i knew this dude from like a long time ago and i always avoided dating him because um honestly i didn't want to date him he just fucking claimed me which i was mm. pissed um but it was whatever so i already knew him three years before we started like mm -hmm. dating it's a long time and yeah. uh i always avoided him because i don't want to date within my industry and so next thing you know he is talking to me and stuff and when we were talking, he was telling me how he was getting his second master's degree and shit like that. And I was like, oh, okay. So he has a brain. He's not some douchebag meathead and stuff like that. And so I was like, okay, he seems not too bad. So I was like cool with him. Then one day he came up to Richmond and was like, oh, yeah, I'm in town and stuff. Do you want to hang out with me and my cousin? And we then we hung out and stuff. And uh, then next thing you know, um, we hooked up and I even though it was kind of like, it felt kind of forced at the time. Mm -hmm. um, but it ended up being like pretty good. So I was like, all right, well, at least the sex was kind of good. So yeah. fuck it. I guess yeah. it's cool. So we just kept kind of hooking up for a little bit. And I kind of want to keep a secret. I want to keep a secret. I don't want anyone to know about it because I didn't want to get involved with yeah. anyone with an MMA. And even though he wasn't in my gym, he was under the same franchise okay. of the gym I was at, even though he lived like three and a half hours away. Next thing you know, he ends up moving up to my gym. He moves up to my gym and he was at a party with my teammates and on the phone, he just fucking claimed me and told everyone that I was his girlfriend. Hmm. And I was just like, well, what the fuck? Like, we're supposed to keep this shit a secret. Yeah. And now everyone knows. Well, uh, all right, cool, I guess. And everything was going well at the time. So I thought it was cool and everyone liked him. He was a good liar. Everyone liked him, thought he was a good person. And I thought he was a good person all the way until six months after we move in together. We're in together two months in. And then one day we get in a fucking argument over something so dumb. I honestly, we got in arguments over so many things. I can't remember. 
but I think it was one of the times where he got angry at me because my hair was on the floor. You know how people shed? Girls girl hair shed, like a shed. Yeah. He got mad because naturally my hair shed in the bathroom floor and he started yelling at me about that. I was like, what the fuck? And stuff. And we got an argument. And next thing you know, he picked me up my neck and threw oh. me. Yeah. And strangled me. Uh, and that was the first time I was like in shock. I, I was like, I'm in an abusive relationship and I didn't know how to get out. Yeah. And during this time, I was like, and the crazy thing is I was I was doing well in my career at the time. I was doing well in MMA. Uh, and at this time, I was already getting a fan base. And women would tell me and say they look up to me and how strong of a woman I am. And here I am getting abused. And it just wasn't a good look all the way around. Kind of I, you feel like a fraud. Yeah, it made me feel... Like I couldn't talk to anyone. I had to keep yeah, everything secret. Yeah, because you had to keep secret. up that front. Because it's like, yeah. well, these people look up to me, and then if you kind of, you kind of put into this weird situation, you feel like you don't have anybody to talk to because you're supposed to be everybody's role model. Exactly. Yeah. And no one knew about it. I couldn't tell my friends. I couldn't tell anyone. And the few people I did tell that I was friends with at the gym, like, like I don't know if they believed me. Only mm. one guy believed me, but the, also the politics of it was he was the biggest dude. This dude was like 215 pounds of muscle. Fucking. Oh, shit. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. Yeah. Like he, even though he could cut down and fight to 170, but he walked around 215. So I was 121 at the time. I'm tiny and he's a pro fighter. Mm -hmm. Like, what the fuck am I going to do to him? Like, there's nothing I can do. And so, and all the people, even the ones who did believe me at the gym, wouldn't stand up for me because they were too scared that he would beat him up, yeah. beat them up because he does. He kind of just bullies everyone at the gym and stuff. So they were too scared to piss him off. And everyone's on his fucking dick because like he's supposed to be a next UFC prospect and shit. So everyone's just like all like, oh, my God, Mike, you know, like it's some bullshit. So because of that, like people and it fucking like it hurt me because I was at this gym for like five and a half years i was there way before he was there and then so quickly i see people's true colors and they jump ship and take his side and say that i'm the crazy one that i'm the like i've done shit like i'm so quiet and shy they think that i'm the fucking crazy one that started shit but that's because he was so good at putting up this front that he was such a good guy yeah so no one believed me and the ones who did, they wouldn't stick up for me. So I felt stuck in the situation. And at the time, you know, I, I did love him at the time. And I, I guess I had abused woman syndrome a little bit when I was there. And I guess I didn't realize the severity of the matter. And I'll, and it got to a point where one night we're laying on the couch, watching Netflix, watching this one documentary called like who the fuck did i marry on mystery id and one episode was about a husband and wife and the husband was abusive and the wife tried to leave him and he shot her in the back of the head and killed her and he turned around and said to me that's what i'm gonna do to you if you ever try to leave me and i took it as a joke i'm like ah funny like yeah, i didn't yeah, take yeah. it serious but then a few months later like a few months had passed a few months later so we're watching another episode and again, he goes, that's what I'm going to do to you if you ever leave me. Oh, my God. And I was just like, yeah. And the thing is, 
And he said to me in the past before that uh, if I ever get him locked up, uh, his dad would come and kill me. And his dad was locked up uh, for 10 years for assault. And uh, I started getting a little worried. I was like, okay, this is months has passed. Obviously, you've been thinking about this shit. And then he said it again. So then the third time he said it, he had bought a gun. He bought a gun and kept it loaded in front of us, in front of the living room table where we laid. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, this guy's going to kill me for real. Yeah. And I started, he said it again the third time, and I got, like, kind of yeah. worried. And I was like, what the hell? Like, are you, like, why do you keep saying this? At this point, like, eight and a half months had passed. And I was like, why do you keep saying this? It's been eight and a half months. This is the third time you said it to me. Like, like, are you are you trying to kill me or something? And he's like, oh, no, I love you. I would never do that. Blah, 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 blah. And then I thought to myself, dude, he's legit going to kill me. And it, and I had to figure out a way to get out of the situation. So instead, I told him I was going to move all my summer stuff or my winter stuff to my parents' place and move all my summer stuff in. And I was going to switch stuff out. But really, I was packing all my important stuff. And he was helping me move the boxes into my car. I had the doors open on both sides and I had this giant ass box. I can't see where I'm going. And next thing you know, he's yelling at me. He's like, open the fucking doors. And I'm like, the doors are open. And he's like, open the fucking doors. I'm going to throw all your shit on the floor. And at the time I was doing graphic design. That was like mm-hmm. kind of my job. And I had my computer in there. That's my work. And I was like, no, my computer isn't there. Don't throw on the ground. If you're, if you're, it's too heavy and you can't hold it, put it on top of the car, put it on the ground. Next thing you know, he goes, I'm in the middle of putting the shit in my car. And as I'm putting in, I hear him go, nope. And by the time I turn around, he chucks all my shit. He's like six one. He, he's like, he'll hold it on a pair. He chucks it up and drops all my shit on the ground. And I'm my computer's fucking in there. This guy's a psychopath. He's fucking psycho, and I was fucking pissed. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? I just fucking told you. And anytime I even say anything back, he gets physical. He gets in my face, and he goes, "Shut the fuck up, or I will shoot you in the fucking face." And when we go to court, I will just tell the judge that I thought you were an intruder, and that's why I shot you. He said all that shit, and I'm just like thinking to myself. Oh my God, how long did he think about all that? Like, how the, how do you think of that? And then all that shit, like, obviously you've been thinking about that shit. And so I told him, I'm like, I'm leaving. And I put the car in my ignition. He breaks the key out of my ignition, cuts my hand open because he was pulling it out of my hand. And luckily at the time, there was a police officer patrolling that area. He goes, can I help you? I'm like, Is there a problem here? And I was like, yeah, he won't let me leave. And... T- fucking left never turned back went all the way back home to charlottesville virginia where my parents were and i was working at my parents place for three and a half months saving up money to come out to california yeah and then from that people got word that i was moving out here and he heard that i was moving out here and so he tried to keep some pull some bullshit to keep me from leaving because he kept apologizing after and trying to get back together with me but i kept telling him no and then two weeks before I was going to come out here, he pulled some bullshit and went to the cops and told them that I was the one who attacked him and trying to get me locked up in jail. And I was like, 
What the fuck? And so I went and spent all the money I had saved up on the lawyer. I went to the police place to buy all the call logs of all the times I called the cops on him and had the cops come and escort me out. And I had to do that because I wasn't going to take a chance on getting locked up. And the reason why that was is because one of the times that he picked me up by my neck and strangled me, he held me down and choked me until I almost passed out. And I remember right before I was about to black out, I thought to myself, oh my God, I'm going to die tonight if I don't do anything. And yeah. instinctually, I grabbed his face and I pushed it and my nail cut the side of his nose and it was bleeding. I called the cops on him to get them in and the stupid ass cop, they're supposed to separate you guys yeah. and ask you questions separately. But the bitch ass, dumb ass cop, he asked me, do you want to press charges? Right in front of him. He's standing right there and he's standing behind a cop and he goes, well, do you? Like mouthing the words, yeah. well, do you? You want to press charges on me, huh? You want to press charges? And at the moment, I was thinking, fuck everything. Fuck my career. Like, fuck this. I'm going to press charge. I'm going to get him locked up and fuck yeah. everything. But then when I saw him, I got intimidated. And yeah. I told him no. I was like, no. And then the female cop took him outside and asked him questions separately. Of course, he fucking lied and said, I attacked him. And then she came in and she gave me an attitude and she goes, he told me that you, he, uh, you were the one that attacked him. I was like, what the fuck? I, I didn't say what the fuck. I was like, what? No, I did not. Like, I'm the one who called you guys. I'm like, he strangled me and I pushed his face away and that's why I cut him. Yeah. And I'm like, it's like, you're not going to see bruises when you get strangled. It shows up hours later. Yeah. And so she told me, I was like, what the hell? I'm like, that's not what happened. And then she told me to shut up or else she's going to take me to jail. Wow. I was like, are you fucking serious? Like, are you fucking serious? Like, I can't believe I'm getting the tables turned on me yeah. because of his lies. And I wasn't going to ruin my whole life and future because of this motherfucker. So I went and 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 I knew at this time already when the abuse started happening, I knew that our relationship was going to end in court yeah so one of the times that another time he fucking he took a belt and whipped me for 30 minutes straight and i secretly recorded it on my phone oh shit i was gonna i was gonna say like did you ever record any of these interactions because like this is because this happened so repetitively it's like well now you gotta you gotta fucking re-up on this shit you know yeah I uh I recorded the whole thing when he was like whipping me and shit and calling me a fucking dog and and uh when I went to court I played that in court and what sucked was uh I had to play it in front of my dad oh, and he shit. heard like everything. Yeah. So um uh like sorry. No, it's okay. Um so it was like really hard cuz my parents like I had to keep that shit secret and uh then it was like my dad had to really hear about all yeah, the shit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so after that, um, I put a restraining order on him. And um, all the money that I had saved up to go to California, I had like $3,200 at the time. It all went to court fees and lawyers and everything. And um, after that, uh, I came out to California with $800. Shit. Yeah. And when I came out, I had no job, no friends, like 
I didn't know anyone, like nothing. I have no one out here. So I just came out here and my parents thought everything was fine. And uh, But really, I came out with a shit car. My mom had this BMW. And the thing was, the BMW was a 2001. And you know how BMW have all these electrical problems. Yeah, and shit. Yeah, yeah. So it's like... The car, it looked nice because she kept it nice. It's a silver-ass BMW. And so I'm getting harassed everywhere. My car is breaking down. And every fucking time I break down, it happens to be in Compton or Inglewood. Yeah. Like, it's in some bull-ass shit place. And I'm some shit, like, people are bothering me and stuff. And, like, $400 here, $400 here. You know, money just went away so quick. Next thing you know, I had nothing. I was sleeping out of my car and... I just had to work random jobs to try and make money because it was so hard to get a fucking job out here. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so I was just working in random bars and I was modeling here and there. I used to do like import modeling and whatever. So sell some merchandise here and there and make some random money here and there. And that would keep me going until, you know, I was kind of up on my feet until finally I, you know, I worked Uber for a while and then I worked at this music studio and started getting more money. And then when I started getting more money, I ended up investing all my money in my training. So I still stayed in my car because uh, I was, it was enough to be able to do both, you know, actually, no, at the time I was investing. Oh, I forgot. I also got scammed, I think. I can't go, you're lucky as shit. This is like, this is like yeah. the saddest story I've ever heard in my life. You keep on getting fucked over, dude. Yeah, like I came out here and I was, I decided to quit MMA because I, I didn't want to run into him because, you know, MMA circle's small. Yeah. I don't want to run into him. And I was so angry with the MMA community because I'm like, everyone like turned my back on me to take sides with this motherfucker. Like, I don't want to deal with this community anymore. And yeah. I fucking, want to just pursue music because honestly that was my first love was pursuing music mm -hmm. and so i came out here to pursue music and then i think i got fucked over by this fake ass producer that was taking tons of money from me so all my money that i made i gave it to him gave it to him to the point where i just couldn't anymore and then uh one of my friends um cub swanson he was talking to me oh, how'd you meet cub when I went out to Albuquerque at Greg Jackson's. Ah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So he's always been really cool with me. And he just gave me advice like, you know, you should get back into MMA. And so because of him saying that, I decided to go back and train. And so I, that's when I joined up with Black House and uh, started, you know, spending all my money in there. And I was sleeping on my car until it got to a point where I got enough money to be able to have a place to stay and go train. And then next thing you know, I ended up, Signed to WWE after that, but that's fucking crazy. I mean, that yeah. whole experience with like, it's weird because you know I think uh, our parents always want us to like reach out and ask for their help, but then like the problem is is like, uh, it's not really a problem. It's more of our individual issues that we have because we just don't want them to see our failures, right? Because they kind of invest yeah. so much into you, and they 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 kind of we almost have to lie to them because we don't want them to see all of our imperfections, right? And it makes yeah. you feel like you're just disappointed. You know, just because, like, I mean, you know, I, I wasn't born here. I was born in Korea, so I'm an immigrant. So I'm I'm generation zero, right? So, or first, first gen or whatever. And so when I, I mean, I don't do it now, but I can see why a lot of people do it, where it's just like, fuck, how hard is it for me to say, like, I failed? Like, I, you've invested all this time into me, and I fucking failed. And, then, you know, when you're in court and you see your father just having to go through that and see his daughter get her ass whooped by this guy, it's like, oh, fuck, like... That must have been really frightening for you. Yeah, and it sucks because, like, the thing is, 
it's not like I didn't know about like I didn't know when it happened. But the thing is, I grew up around an aunt that's been abused. And my parents used to say, don't ever end up like your aunt. If a guy hits you, what are you going to do? I'm like, I would fucking hit his ass back or I fucking leave him. But the problem was he was an MMA fighter. Yeah. I couldn't hit you, his ass back and I couldn't you leave. You should have dated a fucking computer tech geek yeah. that hates violence and has never trained a day in his life. Yeah, that's that's what I go for now because fuck that shit, you know, like. Um, so it was that. And also, I'm the only child. Yeah. And uh, my parents, they... They grew up poor. They came to the U.S. with course, nothing, yeah. um, worked their asses off. And my dad, dude, he is like, he is the oldest guy out of four kids. Well, he had two older brothers that died, but so technically he was the yeah. oldest. And he had three younger sisters he had to take care of. And in the Chinese culture, if you're a male, it's like your job to take care of the whole family. So he came to the U.S. with nothing and worked his ass off and took care of his whole family, his mom, his dad, his three sisters. And then he brought them to the U.S. and took care of them. And then one of his sisters tried to fuck him over and steal his money and steal our restaurant and steal our condo and all this fucking shit. And so also my dad was married to a woman before. And uh, like this woman was a gold digging ass bitch that spent all his money. And then her daughter was the same way. And she always takes advantage of my dad, our dad or whatever. And my dad's just like too nice of a person. And he keeps like, I feel so bad because he's done so much nice stuff for people and people just fuck him over. And I felt like it was my job to, you know, give back to my parents because they've done so much for me. They work so hard to try to put me in the best schools and they try to put me in private schools and shit like that. And even though they couldn't afford it and I was the poorest person there and I couldn't go to private school consistently because they wouldn't have enough money every year mm -hmm. to send me there. It's like if they had money that year, I went to private school. If I didn't, couldn't go to private school. So I switch around schools a lot and uh, it just... They, of course, wanted me to be a lawyer, a doctor. But to be honest, I was never good at academics. And I started English so late, I didn't even understand what the fuck I was learning in school. So it really put me behind. Mm -hmm. And it affected my academics. I'm not like considered smart in their standards. And the only thing I was really good at was art. And art... You know, it's frowned upon. Mm -hmm. You're going to be a starving artist. And my parents just didn't want me to do that. And I had to convince them my whole life that I was good at it to let me go to art school. So finally, I went to art school in Richmond, Virginia at VCU because they're known for their art program. And I went for graphic design. But unfortunately, when I started doing graphic design when I was 14, it was still the new thing. No one was doing it. By the time I got to college age, this market was oversaturated and no one's making money off of it. Mm. And so I'm here like doing all this and I just felt like I was a disappointment. And during, I went to school, I felt like I was doing it for them. I wasn't doing it for me. I did mm -hmm. it to please them. I wanted to graduate for them. But Secretly, I was training. Secretly, I was doing music. Secretly, I was modeling and doing anything art-related, acting and all that. So then to just go and not be a lawyer, doctor, and after they spent all that money on my education just to turn around and ask for money, I just couldn't do that. Yeah, I didn't want to take anything from them because I already took so much. So, of course, I didn't. I never asked for anything from them. 
And I never liked to ask for money or let them know that I was in need of anything. So I just never told them. And so like when you were out here, it was like you were struggling. You just couldn't. I just couldn't say anything. I don't think I'd be able to ask them for money like that either. I think um, like I have asked my parents for money before. And uh, that was before I was doing well, you know. It was hard. Yeah, it was rough. You know, yeah. asking, asking them for money, it was like fuck. Like it kind of, it kind of fucks you up because I, I, you know, I worked in my parents' business too, so I know how hard they work, and I know what it takes to earn that little amount of money that they would get, and then for me to take away from that shit because I wasn't adequate enough to make my own living, yeah, makes me, it made me feel like shit. Yeah, so I completely understand how that feels, man. I mean, it's I think a lot of like Asian kids kind of go through that shit too. Yeah, but, um, it's 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 a good thing because we we have this thing where number one we can empathize with our parents and their struggles, and then it also makes us try to work harder because we don't want to just take away from our parents because at a certain yeah. point too, like we want to be able to give back, and yes. that's 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 like the the part that I always look forward to. Like recently, my dad. Uh, he doesn't really ask for much. He doesn't ask for a lot, right? My dad's fucking annoying, by the way, but I love him to death. He, uh, like, he's had like a shitty laptop, right? And I've, Aww. you know, I've offered him to buy him a laptop a few times here and there, but he's like, I don't need it. I don't need it. Finally, his two shitty fucking laptops finally bust, which, by the way, they're <laughs> really crappy. And so my mom asks for, my mom asks for him. He's like, Hey, can you buy your dad a laptop? I was like. Yeah, of course. And you know, when I when I bought it, it was just it was it was like whatever. Like I make good money, so I I bought him a laptop and I sent it over, and he's super happy. And then I kind of thought about, it. I was like, damn, it's kind of cool that I'm in a position now where if they need something, I can get, get him something that he wants, right? Because before I couldn't do that. I absolutely I absolutely couldn't. If he needed something, I'd be like, hey man, you're asked out. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I need a lot of shit too. Like I need electricity and food in my stomach. I don't got that. You know, but you know, it's it's one of those like good feelings that you have because you know about your parents' struggle, and you know, I think in your situation too, like having your parents warn you about all these things, about going into art and then kind of like having to come to court and see him be in a situation he warned you about. It's like, fuck, like I kind of, it's like his, not so much his I told you so moment, but it's like, fuck, like I kind of made his worst nightmares come true. Exactly. And it's just like, I didn't want to be another burden, yeah. you know? And so I just couldn't ask for anything. I didn't tell them anything. And you, you still know. have a restraining order on that guy? No, it expired. Oh, it really? only lasts like, I think it only. I think it only lasts like three years or some shit. And then you have to re up on it or something. Yeah, yeah, re up on it. What the fuck? It should last forever. It should. Yeah, it should last forever. But <laughs> stupid, you know. That's fucking crazy, dude. And his crazy ass contacted me all the way up until 2016. I broke oh. up with his ass end of 2012. Damn, that's not that long ago. I know. So he was like, like texting <laughs> you with shit. He was, dude. I blocked him from everything, and he would make a new account and hit me up. He would find me online. What's he and saying? Like, what, what was he trying to do? He was telling me how he he was sorry and how much he loved me and how proud he was of me. Proud, bitch. Everybody says they're proud of you after you become something, dude. You stupid exactly. son you of a stupid bitch. bitch. Like, yeah. don't even try and say that shit. Yeah. And just like trying to, you know, trying to get back together type of thing or try and be in my good graces. But I was like, no, bitch. I just ignored it. And I just keep blocking all the accounts he keeps making. Yeah. He keeps making every account. I keep having to reblock him. Keep blocking every account. But dude he was he's fucking psycho that's like, crazy well i mean after now that you're done with the wwe and stuff and it's kind of cool though i think like the, the the greatest takeaway from this too and i think like from everything that you set up into this point is that you're person you're a person of like resilience it's like when something pushes you here you push back 10 times harder which is why you've been able to survive up into this point right and i think like the hard part about kind of doing entertainment or what we do is that it's, it's a very 
difficult fucking route. Like when you pop yeah. off, you pop off well. But even then, just because you popped off once doesn't mean you're good for the rest of your life. It doesn't yeah. work out that way. That's that's the really hard reality of entertainment. And so even when I go back home, sometimes people are like, you've made it. I haven't made shit. Like what are you talking about? Like just because I got this one gig and this one job, it doesn't mean that I stop working. I have to continue to work. I don't have steady income. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like I got to keep trying at this over and over and over again you know when i started off this podcast originally too it was it was hard for people to see why i switched my channel into a podcast and what you know why i told people recently like in 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 my when i started my patreon was that people don't know like youtube doesn't make money anymore like i know it fucking sucks so it's like there's a few people on top that make a lot of money and those are people who do children's channels i'm not a children's channel like I don't have children channel because av- because they're very advertiser friendly. So that's the stuff that YouTube and Google pushes up to the top. Makes sense. That's the one they put the most ad dollars in. I'm not a fucking children's channel, and I can't be. I can't stop cursing. I can't change who I am, mm-hmm. and it's who I who's, who's who I have been, and I and I couldn't do that. So I decided to switch to a podcast format and kind of you know work through ad dollars instead, where I garner the ads myself versus having waiting for YouTube to give me a fucking ad. And so people couldn't see why I did that. And then I had to make that change. And, you know, that's the only reason why the channel's still going. That's why we have this podcast office, you know, but it was hard for people to see. And that's just like that struggle of being an artist. You kind of have to figure out your own way. Yeah. This, I mean, YouTube worked for me for about eight years. And it's like, okay, cool. And then what's the next step? So I had to kind of like look ahead and see what, what I can do next. It's so tough because entertainment, it changes with the technology. Yeah. So every time it changes, that affects you. Yeah, Vine, and, Instagram, TikTok now. Yeah, TikTok now. It's just like we're in a weird time right now where all these things that were working before is dying. And then TikTok is so new that it's like it's popping off. It's and popping pop- off. And it's but, backed by like this Chinese company. So it has billions and millions of dollars like back behind it. So yeah. it would be good. So what are you doing now, now that you're done with the WWE? So I just got signed to another company, Major League Wrestling. Ooh. And uh, it's it's awesome because a lot of like famous wrestlers has gone there and a lot of WWE people are in there and ex WWE people are currently in there and such. That's and dope. They're back and forth, you know, uh, but I'm injured. Okay. <laughs> I'm injured. So, uh, as you know, when we were training yesterday, yeah. uh, my ACL, my other ACL is fully torn and LCL. MCL God damn is, it. Yeah. So <laughs> everything's torn, but, the goal right now is to just rehab hard and get back because the good thing about um, MLW is I've worked for them before. Like they were the first TV company that I worked for after WWE and their good show and everything um, has a good following. And so it's nice to be the first woman signed on their company. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And they're going to push me and I'm the one who start started a women's division they didn't never had one before so i'm gonna be you know building their women's division but then now i'm injured so now it's just a matter of getting healthy and getting back into it but meanwhile i am still wrestling but i'm being picky with who i choose because i gotta stay healthy yeah and uh right now you know just merchandise sales luckily just all merchandise sales and stuff and of course um i am also kind of doing stunts here and there because I've always enjoyed all forms of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's acting or music or any type of entertainment and art, I'd be happy doing all of it. So yeah. it's just whatever comes, you know. So doing that, um, got my 
website up and all that and basically also doing some music going okay. yeah doing some music again but the thing is i do have vocal nodules uh, my Yikes. voice is messed up from all the screaming with wrestling and mma but uh one of my friends he was actually my, my photographer but uh this guy that goes by icon he used to be signed with grand hustle records but he is a r&b singer but he ended up getting screwed over by the industry so he kind of has a bitter taste in his mouth but now he is working with uh kevin mccall and oh shit! Yeah, Kevin McCall is Kevin his McCall's friend. Dope. Yeah, uh, but you know, Kevin McCall, there's a falling out in the industry because he had that falling out with Chris Brown and all that. That sucks too, because like Kevin McCall's like talented. Well, He's he talented. did. I mean, I don't know if people know, but Kevin McCall did a bunch of like Chris Brown's background, background, yeah. background vocals, which they don't even fucking know. Like that's like Kevin McCall's voice, and he wrote a lot of all songs. of his shit. Yeah. So it's like all the stuff that you love about Chris Brown is because of Kevin McCall. But that's like stuff like if you're really into music, like you would know that shit. Yeah. But then, so all that shit that you hear when you know you hear all these like dope ass harmonies, that's not fucking Chris Brown. That's Kevin McCall doing it. He's doing all the background vocals. Yeah. Yeah. He's a good writer, great yeah. singer, like everything. So he's trying to make a comeback right now. Um he so, you know, we're kinda of working on this album and it's more icons album. Yeah. And so we're kind of both on this album, kinda of working on it. So it's just a project. I don't know where it goes, but it's just funny how when yeah. I wanted the music connection, it wasn't there for me. But now yeah. that I'm in wrestling, they seem to be coming yeah, all yeah. over the place and i'm working on my entrance song because i'm back and forth between here and asia to tour yeah and so i wanted an entrance song that was half chinese half english so i wrote the song and uh the i, I was trying to find a mandarin rapper and next thing you know this guy named jason chu hit me up he wrote he has like two songs on the Wu Assassin and Warrior One soundtrack. Okay. So we're collaborating together. He's gonna be the rapper on my song. And so that's my little project that I'm doing. So that's dope. that that and you know, wrestling is still main focus right now. Okay. When are you when are you gonna start uh well how it's whenever you're done with your rehab and then you start wrestling or what's what's the time span? I'm gonna rehab hard as fuck. And basically, when I get approved by a doctor, I'm going to wrestle. But I mean, I I already have shows lined up. Uh, I'm being picky about it. I've, but I am going out to China in March again to wrestle out there. That's awesome. So it's going to be fun. Um, and I am doing autograph signings. So I'm doing autograph signing this Friday at PCW Ultra. So doing that. And then the week after, I'm doing a little show for my gym because uh, the gym I train out of for pro wrestling and Noki Dojo, they're doing a little show, house show thing. So I'm doing it as support, you know, That's since awesome. they're letting me train there and all that. So, yeah, so I'm basically doing all that. and But I'm being picky about what shows to do. I mean, I'm definitely open to take wrestling matches. It just depends on who I work with. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, I have to protect his knee because MLW is priority. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, fuck. I don't even know how long we were going for. Dude, we were going for a while. Shit, almost two hours. That's an Damn. hour and 40 minutes. Fuck. Well, I mean, we could talk a lot about more shit, but uh, let's wrap this up. Uh, shout out everything so that people can uh, find you. All right. Uh, my Instagram is Zeda, Z-E-D-A underscore Zang, Z-H-A-N-G. Uh, TikTok is just Zeta Zang. Uh, Twitter, the Zeta Zang. <laughs> Uh, and I'm actually gonna now that I have time and I'm not touring as much anymore overseas, 
I'm going to get back on my Twitch, which is the Chopstick Queen. <laughs> That's fucking tight. <laughs> That's fucking tight. Yeah. Well, th- check her out on all that shit. Thank you for sharing your story. That was fucking awesome. Thank like, you. Man, you have been through some fucking Bullshit. shit. That's funny. I was telling her the other day about this one little stalker girl. Oh, yeah. And I, sh- I bet you in your mind, you're like, shut the fuck up, dude. I had a guy choke me out in the bathroom because I left hair on the floor. <laughs> you fucking big bitch. That's why I'm saying never complain to people who have been through more shit than you. I'm over here sounding like a dumbass. I'm telling this whack-ass story about how some girl scared me. She over here got choked out by a guy that has a restraining order on him. Fuck. <laughs> Well, thanks a lot for that. <laughs> Anyways, guys, you can catch the Genius Brain Podcast on all audio platforms. If you see us on iTunes, give us that five stars. If you see us on Spotify, give us a listen. Put them in your playlist, uh, Stitcher, whatever audio platform out there. We are in it. We'll see you all next time. Peace. Bye. Perfect. Oh. <laughs>